Dude, pleasure to to meet you and finally get to talk to you. And uh, man, lots to get into the the movie. I watched that the other day, and I got a ton of questions. But I know I've seen you guys before, and I was trying to remember where. I know I saw you. When was the last time you guys played the Observatory in in uh, Santa Ana? Uh, back in February of last year. Was it Suicide Silence? Um, suicide Silence. Yeah. Yeah, it was Suicide Silence's album release show. That's what it was. That's where I saw you guys. Okay, now it's all yeah, coming back and, to me. And I think you know our manager, uh, Greg Jernigan. He used to be on Rockline. Yeah, I he talked to him. Bob Cohen a lot. Yeah, I talked to him that night. That's right. And he told me all about you guys because I saw the set and I was like, man, these guys are really good. Like. I was digging what I heard, and then he was like, okay, there's an album coming and everything. I was like, okay, I'll just wait back till I hear it, and then found out about this movie now or this documentary. And so, um, well, um, I got to say, getting into the movie, like, uh, truthfully, it it made me cry several times. There were so many things that I related to, and certainly your story and and your struggle, but I I guess, you know, one of the the big things that I really related to in the movie uh, was about your grandfather, and his love for you, obviously, and and the whole part about him kind of cutting off the guitar strings and everything because he didn't want you to go down that road and told you you couldn't play guitar. And I kind of went through a, a similar thing with my own mom in, in my world. And I always said, oh, I want to be on the radio one day. And she was like, you're never going to be on the radio. There's like a 1% chance of that. Go get a regular job, the whole story. But I really, I really, that part really uh, touched me because I went through basically the same exact thing man with my own family member and the same same outcome too you you know they love you you know their intentions were well meant but at the same time it kind of kind of stoked that fire for me and and certainly for you too exactly it's that tough love kind of midwestern mentality of we're we're just gonna kick you just to see you get up again and work even harder at it yeah, and, and and it really was a fuel to your fire, though, too, a lot of it, right? And that's really what inspired oh, you oh, to pick yeah, up the guitar. Sure. Like, when my grandpa told me that I'd never become a guitar player, you know, that was the really the moment where I decided I'm not going to let this go. Like, no matter what, I'm going to succeed at this. And you have, man, you have. I mean, it's a it's a great story. Another big part of the, the story that I, I really related to, too, was I had that same experience the very first time I heard corn and and blind and going, what what the hell is this? And I want some more of it. But take take me back to that first time you heard blind and, and try to describe what you was going through your mind at that time. Oh, man, I, I heard that opening, the opening, like, 12 bar sequence. And, you know, Jonathan just comes in with the, are you ready? And the riff drops in, and and you're just like, what is this? What is this? Who is this? <laughs> you know? And it was unlike anything else going on in the scene at the time. And here's these kids that are heavily influenced by hip-hop, but yet they're playing metal, and the vocalist is just screaming his head off and it just it was all about the energy and the attitude and um, you know that was just the one thing I needed in my life at that moment when I heard that it changed everything 
And then, of course, you you go on to become friends with with Monkey and had your two heroes. And uh, do you remember the first show you met them at and and being speechless there in front of them? Exactly. I met them at a corn show when I was 19. And they saw my tattoo from a parking lot from a bus. They brought me backstage. The roadies brought me backstage and threw me in a room with those guys. And I was just... (laughs) <laughs> speechless. It was like moving the Incredible Hulk and Captain America like as a kid I was like, whoa, what the f-? you know? <laughs> and I, I couldn't even say anything. I, I had to actually walk out of the room and take like five minutes before I could go back in and be like, hey, what's up guys? <laughs> I just couldn't comprehend what was actually happening because I had that big corn tattoo on my back. People in high school and the neighborhood kids, they give me a hard time for that. Yeah. They're like, why Why would you get that tattoo on you? You know, you're not going to like that band when you're all there. What are you doing? And I was like, you'll see. I'm going to meet this band because of this tattoo. And then when it actually happened, I couldn't handle it. <laughs> it took me a few years to recover from that experience. And I felt like, even though it was so super cool, I felt like it came off in a way that I didn't want to come off to them. Like, I wanted to be respected. Right. I didn't want to be, like, the super fan kid, you know? Right, right. But, I mean, clearly they have gotten past that, and you have a a relationship with those guys now. And even recorded a song with them. And, man, I I told you that three different times I cried. One of the other times I cried was you giving Monkey that autographed Steve Vai guitar. Yeah, man. It was a personal gift for my family. And then I had Steve sign it when I was in college. But I always felt like, I was like, this belongs in the hands of of Monkey. And I always told myself, if, if I got the chance to give it to him, that I would. Because when they started with those guitars, they were buying them off of, like, pawn shops. And they were all beat up and beat the crap and didn't look that that great. So here I have this one that was almost like mint. So and I did a bunch of modifications to it. You know, when Hag left the band and they did that world tour, I felt like that was the perfect moment to be like, Thank you for not giving up. Yeah, and, and crazy that he took it out and soloed with it every night of the tour and everything and then ah. Uh. Just heartbreaking. I mean, but all in the, and, and for the good reasons. Like, it's all great that you, for as much joy as Monkey and Corn brought to you, you brought that back to him. It was reciprocal. And that's the number one thing I love about music. You know, I really meant what I said in the film that music is the most unexplainable, powerful force on this earth. And being a part of the music business, the coolest thing about it, I think, is that, like, if you work hard enough and get far enough, you can actually work with the people that inspire you to do it in the first place. One of the reasons why I really wanted to do this, and having gotten to do that is just surreal. (laughs) And it's super crazy, too, that, you know, 10 years later after your first gig, or was it 10 years or, or eight years later after your first gig, you're signing your record deal, your first record deal? Six years to the day, I think. I went to go sign the date on the contract, 
And I, I look up, and I look at everybody at the table, and I said, and everybody's like, what? And I'm like, you guys don't understand, like, six years ago today was the first time I ever played guitar on stage and the first show for this band. And it just, it, it was mind-blowing and how before making this film and, and going through the process of making this movie, we've chronologically seen signs, all kinds of different signs that have told us, like, we're doing the right thing, you know? Sheer will and determination by your part and, and on your part to, to manifest it. I mean, you wanted it that bad, and, and it's happening now for you. Do we have a release date yet for your album? When is that coming out? The album is out. It's you out now. Go, you can go on iTunes. You can get, you can get the album, and it's, it's a six-song self-titled EP featuring uh, Prosthetic, the song we did with Monkey. And uh, Danny Rowley from Nine Tales, A Perfect Circle, is featured on the intro and the outro of the record as well. Killer, man. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Along with our, you know, lead single, Seize the Day, that we have the video for and all that stuff. And do we have any shows coming up that we can talk about? Any Southern California shows? Yeah, we're, we're doing like a, a NAMM show pre-party at uh, the Five Star Bar in downtown LA. Uh, and that will be with uh, the hardcore band from Brazil, this band called Andra. Um But we'll be at the Five Star Bar on January 24th. 24th, okay. And any other NAM? Are you going to be running around NAM? Yeah, I'm going to be playing Friday morning on the Pioneer Arena stage with a, a group of disabled musicians. It's a group called Can Do Musos. And then I, I haven't locked down a, a time frame, but I'll be at the Rock and Roll Industries booth um, doing a signing there sometime throughout the weekend. And I'll also be over at the Ibanez booth because I just signed an endorsement deal with Ibanez Guitars. Wow, congratulations, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it's rad. I can't tell you how much I owe to the guys in Corn. You know, they've, they've stepped up to the plate and have helped my career and my life so much. And I wouldn't be where I am without those five dudes. Yeah, without now, it just from from my perspective, is it Monkey and Head are both your home, or is it a little bit more like Monkey's your guy? Like, are you friends with I, them equally? You you know, when I was a kid, you kind of like you have that kid mentality where you like you pick your guy, yeah, and you're like, okay, this is this is the guy that like I relate to, and because Monkey, the whole he. He cut that tip of his finger off, and and then that inspired me to use the guitar to rehabilitate my hand and get my hand to function. So like, Monkey's my guy because of that, you know. And he was always like, back then he was the quiet one, and I used to be like the quiet. <laughs> I'm not that quiet anymore, <laughs> but. But yeah, e- equally as much, you know, 
a monkey in head. I owe them everything, dude. <laughs> they, I think they just gave you the, gave you some opportunities to to show everyone what you can do, and and truthfully, man, it's way beyond you know just your disability and and how you've overcome it. But the music's really good. Like I was really impressed at that Suicide Silence show. It was very like not reminding me of Nonpoint, kind of in that vein. The music was. That's awesome, man. Yeah, we focus on two main things. We focus on number one, writing good songs, and number two, going out there and having a high energy show that people can can get into. I love it, man. Yeah, yeah, and your singer's great. He's a great front man, totally owns that stage. And, and of course, your story. And even even your bass player, he has he, – he, how much – he's partially deaf or he's three-quarters? He's, he, he's, he's three-quarters of the way deaf and blind, basically. Wow. And he, he's probably going to go fully blind before he goes deaf. He has what they call Usher syndrome, which is like a degenerative – like eye disease. Wow. So he's when he's up there with us, he's basically like Beethoven. He's playing off of vibration. Deaf alone, like, yeah, he's got to be feeling the music, but also blind, too. Wow. Yeah, he can't really see the audience. And you put him in a, in a dim, lit room, and the guy really struggles. We got to help him. So, but it's, it's all in the family, you know? That's what we do, and that's, that's why we do what we do, because we're trying to educate people as to, you know, if I can get over these things and I'm living with them, you know, you guys should be more accepting of people with disabilities. Absolutely. And, you know, I think we kind of, in, in my excitement, I kind of think we, we skipped over the, the basic fact. I mean, please explain to everyone about your condition and what you have. Like, I think I kind of jumped the gun on assuming everyone knows that, but we should definitely take a moment to explain that to everybody. Well, I was born with cerebral palsy. And what, what that means in layman's terms is cerebral palsy is a neuromuscular disorder which in my case affects my motor function and my coordination and in my case there's four different types of cerebral palsy but my particular case affects my left side so it affects my my left hand my speech the way i walk my gait and i had problems with my eye as well so basically growing up i didn't use my left hand at all i just kind of let it hang there, and I really didn't feel like I had a use for it until I fell in love with wanting to play the guitar, and that, that's really what gave me the fire and the inspiration to want to overcome the physical disability of not being able to function like everybody else. In doing that, it really rehabbed my whole life. Yeah, it affected you in more, more ways than you were even thinking about at the time. Yeah, because, you, you know, doing interviews like this, you've got to focus on being well-spoken. And when I was a kid, I never wanted to get up in front of anybody. Now I'm performing on, on stages in front of thousands of people. Uh, I do public speaking now, which terrified me as a kid. <laughs> And I, all around, I'm 100% more balanced than I was. And it, it Paul, because I have one goal in mind, and that is to be successful. 
Amen to that. Hey, let me ask you one last question here. I appreciate all the time, but just kind of curious, like a little game I like to play. We we know how big of a corn fan you are, and, it, and this is a, a little game that started off as a, a drinking game initially, but uh, it's a grouping of bands, and I kind of like to put bands in a little grouping and then make you pick your favorite out of them. And for this grouping of bands to kind of highlight this t- period in time in music, I call it the Flannel Five. So we're talking about like 90s rock, and I'm curious out of this list, who would be your favorite off of the list? Out of Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. Oh, you have to put my two favorites in one category. (laughs) I'm going to go with Nirvana because as, as a whole, I think Nirvana, like they have the good songs. Of course, they have the legendary rock and roll story, right? And and Kurt Cobain and and uh, all all that stuff. But to be fair, I am very partial to Alice in Chains as well. Yeah, they're my favorite off of the list. I mean, they're and they tend to be the one that the, that the metal heads tend to gravitate. I feel like everyone that I ask that to the the more metal people tend to gravitate towards the uh, Alice in Chains. But I'm gonna go with Nirvana because uh, Kurt Cobain was a huge influence on me as a kid, and he, he was also one of those guys that when I was younger he he made me believe that I could play guitar because he was so unconventional with what he did. And, uh, you know, when, when he died, I, I remember when he died. I was a kid, but it really affected me. And I think it affected me deeply because I was so young. And yeah. all I would do was be glued to MTV. <laughs> Kurt Loader with the news update. Yep. <laughs> that little that typewriter. And the yep. And the globe splitting. <laughs> <laughs> pick a uh, pick a Nirvana song to play on the radio. I'm a real um, coming to yours, my favorite one. That's a jam, huh? Awesome, man. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for the time, man. Dude, you rock! Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now, just hit the subscribe button. That way, you get it sent to you directly. And follow me on social media at MikeZ967. Don't miss the radio show, bro. Wired in the Empire happens every Saturday night at midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks online at kcalfm.com. Adios.